Welcome, man. I'm so glad each of you is here. 2022, sound like the future, you know? Smash Mouth was right. The years start coming, they don't stop coming, okay? So, all of a sudden. So, I, I just want to, you know, I'm the crier, okay, by the way. You know, Courtney Fox, on the staff team, Courtney Fox, she cries about three times a staff meeting. Everything gets her emotional, so I love it. I cry about twice a staff meeting. That's the second time I think Jeffrey's cried in his adult life. And so, but I think it points to, you know, Jeffrey sacrificed a lot to plant this church, you know? See? <laughs> See, I'm the cry. Okay. And, and I, as, as, I, as we were singing that song, I'm thinking about each of you. And I know, you know, I'm your pastor, so I know what you're going through, you know? And I pray for you all the time. Think about you. I got a heavy heart for, you know, so many in the room. And uh, some of us are doing great, you know, but a lot of us, you know, it's, it can be hard to sing how good is he. Or it can take faith to say it because life is difficult a lot of times. And it takes faith just to get out of bed. It takes faith to trust God to go to work one more day and what that means, boss. Or trust God to face whatever it is. And I just want to tell you, he really is good. And he really does have a plan for your life. And he really accepts you as you are. He really, he really does know that one thing that you want to hide from everybody, and he accepts you anyway. He truly, truly is good all the way to the core of his being. And he's for you, and he wants you. And because of all that, we're for you, and we want you. And we accept you, and we love you. And we got to grow still, but no matter what, God's for you. Okay, so... Um, Acts chapter 1, go ahead and turn there. Um, before, uh, I mentioned this briefly in the welcome last week, but a lot of us were out, and then also, you know, and I kind of went quick on it. But I did want to re go over quickly the month of blessing. Okay, so I, I cha we challenged you to give above and beyond $15,000, and y'all did it. Okay, we, way to go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And so you can see the list of what all your generosity went toward. And I'm just, you know, we, we give monthly, so with your regular tithes and offerings, we give a big portion of that to go to, you know, disaster relief and missions all over the world, of course. But we went above and beyond in the month of blessing in December, and I'm just so proud of the way that you guys stepped up to the plate and gave just over the $15,000 that we were uh, hoping to, to accrue together. So that was really, and, and I, I told him last week too, we have gotten so many thank you notes. So, you know, we gave gift cards to, to teachers and all these different things. We've gotten so many thank you notes here that I have my own uh, mailbox here at the Y now. Okay, so way to go. Okay, so uh, it's just um, these teachers keep writing us these, you know, like, thank you for thinking of us. We, you know, it's just amazing. Uh, so way to go. Uh, thanks for stepping up to the plates. And also, in addition to what we did collectively, I keep hearing all these stories of, the ways that you reached out to your neighbors or your police department or your clients, all these different things. So just way to go in the way that uh, y'all kind of came in together. I just can't believe I get to pastor the greatest people in the world. You know, it's so fun. So uh, proud of what we did together. Thanks. Uh, my vote is we do it again this December. Okay. So, so again, so we're starting Acts 1 today. We'll be in Acts for a while. We ordered those uh, Acts journals, you know, like the, we did for John, like the ESV scripture journals. Those will be in. I got an email early this morning. They're coming in tomorrow. Okay. So next Sunday we'll have those for you. It's kind of been this whole thing. They've been back ordered to March, but they'll be here tomorrow. So uh, 
But last week, Doug Hickson, you know, our church planter in Colorado, he, that's kind of a happy coincidence, he preached Acts 1, 1 to 11. I told him he could preach whatever he wants, and he happened to preach the text I was going to preach today. It's great, okay? But, so I would encourage you to go back and listen to that on our Spotify, Apple podcast, or on, you know, watching on the YouTubes. But, so I won't re-preach the verses, okay? But there's a word in verse 8 that I can't get over, that I could not talk to you about just for a few minutes as we get into Acts this morning, and that is the word power, okay? Doug mentioned last week that that word power, the Greek word is dynamos, dynamis, however you want to pronounce it, the professors in the room, okay? So, but that's the same word that we get our word dynamite and dynamic, okay? So this is tattoo-worthy word, right? It's a jam-packed word. I almost, I was going to get it tattooed on me, but Courtney said my body's perfect already, so I didn't want to do that, didn't want to mess it up, amen. So, in verse 3, Jesus, said, Jesus presented himself alive, so he is just resurrected. He just died. He rose again, amen. And then for 40 days, he walked around and showed everybody that he's alive again. Okay, he spoke about the kingdom of God for 40 days. And the disciples, his guys, you know, they have a lot of struggles, you know. They start asking him these kind of less than important questions, right? They're asking him like in verse 6 of chapter 1. They go, hey, so is now when you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel, are you going to put us in governmental power now and us, like, in your, in your way, like, shape the world? Is that what you're going to do? And so then Jesus responds to that. In verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So it's about to happen. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So just think about who he's saying this to for a second, okay? He found these guys out on the water fishing three years ago, okay? He's not, he's not talking to the CEO of Goldman Sachs here, okay? He, he just found these guys out a few years ago. The, the whole of Christianity, all of Christianity is just about 120 people at this point, 120 disciples. This is the very beginning of the church, okay? Imagine, like, being a bondservant in first century Rome, where, where and when this was written. You're a bondservant, and you hear that you're about to receive power, Okay, you, you owe a million dollars, you make 23 bucks a month, you're never paying that off. Power isn't even something you pray for, okay? It's, it's totally out of the realm of possibility. Imagine being a woman in first century Rome, no power, okay? Even in your own marriage, no voice or power at all in first century Rome, okay? It was expected and totally fine for men to not be faithful in their marriage, but it was totally expected for women to be faithful in their marriage, okay? So it was not a, a, a relationship of mutual respect. And then Jesus, resurrected Jesus, tells you you're about to receive power, okay? So let's talk about power. What is true power? The idea that people in power should not take advantage of people without power is a uniquely Christian idea in the history of the world, okay? Um, so before us, you know, now it's, it's a... It's a which is a good development in the world, it's, it's common for someone to be judged if they take advantage of those in power, okay? And sometimes even the world can act like they're teaching us that truth. Well, it started with us, okay? Amen. So it didn't exist before us. Taking advantage of people showed that you do have power, and it was very much a thing that you wanted to do in first century Rome and the history of the world. You know, even consent did not exist before Christians ins insisted that was God's way didn't exist. And these are, I'm getting this from secular historian Tom Holland, not Spider-Man. There's a famous historian, academician named Tom Holland, and he's the one saying these things. He's not a Christian guy. So, you know, we sometimes bristle at Paul's instruction in Ephesians chapter 5. You know, he said, 
Wives, submit to your husbands. And we're like, oh, well, here's what he means. Okay. But at the time, the original audience, they bristled at what he said to husbands in that chapter. When he was like, you have to love your wife like you love yourself. They were like, what? Really? Are you serious? And he said things like, you got to be faithful to her and her alone. And then Christianity sweeps through with a new power ethic and it changes the world. The whole world is renovated through it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus promised a small band of 120 disciples power. And so here's the important thing. We receive power from God, each of us, each believer receives this power, but not power like the world thinks or wants, okay? The world gets a little bit of power, and it produces the perversion of Hollywood. It gets a little bit of power, and it produces the the soul-sucking greed that exists in Wall Street. It gets a little bit of power, and it produces whatever's going on in Washington, D.C. that's so twisted and bad. And so, but the church, we get true power from Jesus, and we start hospitals, and adoption agencies, and homeless shelters, and refugee care organizations, and food distribution centers, okay? We start more churches because we want people to know Jesus like we do, because his life-giving power and his life-giving grace. You are part of the most world-changing movement in the history of the world, a movement for good, and it's because we received power from Jesus by his Holy Spirit. You know, we we often think that we want the kind of power that gets retweets and followers. You know, we, we want money, and we, we think we want the kind of power that money produces. We want the kind of power over a person or over a company, right? We want that job. Uh, but the power you have access to is real power, okay? The power of the Holy Spirit is to, look back at verse 8, is to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of of the earth. So as we step into Jesus' way, we actually peel back a layer of reality on the world. We actually begin to understand the world like no one else, like it really was intended. We think real power, real satisfaction, real peace will be found in that right relationship, that job, that big vacation, okay? But then we step into Jesus' kingdom and we realize that true power is in being his ambassador. That true power is being his witness to my neighbor and to the ends of the earth. Only in Jesus can you find true power, okay? Only in Jesus can we understand how the world works and what life is really all about. You can go to Rome today, again, where this was written, first century Rome. Uh, You can go to the Roman Forum. I brought a picture for you, okay? What was basically the town square in Rome in, in first century there. And right in the middle of that forum was where the Roman Senate would meet, okay? That place was there 2,000 years ago. It looked more like that. It looks more like ruins today, but that's what it looked like. And so the men who were part of the Roman Senate who would meet there and debate there, they thought they were the most powerful men in the world. That's what they thought. Right? They stood in that building. They passed laws. They appointed Caesars. They, they were over the greatest and mightiest military power that's ever existed in the world up to that point. This Senate thought, you can go look at your history books. This is a quote. This Senate said... They were, quote, building a kingdom that would never end, okay? And it's almost overwhelming to think that while those men strode atop those buildings, they wielded military might, they passed laws, they thought they they were the most powerful people in the world, what they didn't know was directly under their feet there was this group, this new little group who others had started calling Christians who... They met in these dugout tunnels under that forum called catacombs. You may have heard of that. Under the Roman forum, in these tunnels, they would meet, just a few of them, and they huddled around this book, okay? And 
They read powerful verses like, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And they went forward in that life-giving power with the life-giving message of Jesus. Hey, listen, the Roman Empire is dead. But all over the world today, we're meeting. And we're worshiping Jesus in hundreds of languages all over the world. Why? Because the Spirit gave us his power. Jesus sent his Spirit to us. This is the kingdom that will never end. This is the kingdom that is indestructible. Not because we have worldly items of power, okay? Buildings and assets and senators. We don't need all that stuff. We have the Holy Spirit of God in us. The Holy Spirit is a gift to every believer, the Bible says. And I think it ought to make us a little sad as we, as we see the world running toward fake power, right? Building their lives on a foundation of sand. You know, Google later, Google top funeral songs in America, okay? So the, the top songs that most people select for their funeral, uh, the very top one is I Did It My Way. And it's all songs like that, like self-empowerment, I did it my way. But only true power is found in Jesus and his spirit. I did it my way is not real power, okay? And I was thinking, so today the 7th to 12th graders are going to go to Whataburger after this, Lucky Ducks, okay? I'm, that sounds good too. We won't crash your party. We'll do it next week. But as I was thinking about how they're doing that today, I was thinking about how, you know, the culture wants teenagers to have a high self-esteem. We hear a lot about that, have a high self-esteem, but the culture can give them no logical basis for that self-esteem. They can't give them any reason for that self-power other than just have self-power. So, but we, the church, we can tell teenagers, hey, teenagers, you have been uniquely designed by God. In his image, you've been redeemed, placed on earth for a grand purpose, Okay. Our good God, our good King, empowers you for this life on mission, covers you in grace, hope, and unearned love. So students, you are an ambassador for the King himself. So here's a summary of Acts 1 and 2, which we're kind of covering a lot of today. The summary of Acts 1 and 2 is the Spirit empowers the church for witness. If you were just to summarize Acts 1 and 2 into a quick sentence, that's it. The Spirit empowers us for witness. That, that's a good summary. So this power... It empowers us to be his witnesses, right? Where? Look again at verse 8. In Jerusalem. So like here in Fort Worth, great. They were like, oh, here in Jerusalem, yeah, Jesus, we're in. Like we're totally in on that. And he's like, in Judea, all of Texas, they're like sick. I'm all in. Like I, I'm so into reach Texas. Let's go. And then he's like, Samaria. And they're like, huh? I don't, did you, Jesus, did you mean, say like Hawaii is kind of, did you mean, to, what did you mean to say there, Jesus? Okay. The Jews, we've talked about this, they did not want to talk to Samaritans much less disciple them for years and years and years, and even help them out. Okay, I brought a map. So whenever um, Jewish people would travel from, can I get the map up here? You'll see, very clear, yeah. Whenever they would travel from the peach-looking Galilee to Judea, which is where Jews lived, they would never walk through Samaria because they hated those people. So they, Jews would walk around Samaria, add two days to their walk, just so they didn't have to talk or see or interact with those people. They hated him. They hated each other. Okay, so, but in John 4, you know, we see Jesus, and he walks his disciples. It says in John 4, 4, he had to walk through Samaria. They never did, but he had to for their hearts, right? And he made his Jewish disciples who were racist against Samaritans buy food in the middle of town. And then they get back from their errand, and he's talking to this Jewish woman, Gasp, who had had five husbands, right? And they're like, what in the world is happening? And so before Jesus changed their hearts, Jesus, excuse me, Jewish Christians would have wanted nothing to do with this part of the mission in Acts 1-8. 
Okay, they're in for Jerusalem, all in for Judea, into the earth. We'll figure that out. Samaria, Jesus, we're not in on that. But then Jesus begins to renovate their hearts. He begins to change their desires. And they begin to understand that God's love is for all people. And by Acts chapter 8, we're going to see in a few weeks, the disciple Philip is preaching in Samaria. And the Bible says, quote, there was much joy in the city. Okay, and as we all know in here, I hope, I know that we're in agreement on this, but, you know, Jesus loves people in Russia and Iran as much as he loves people in USA. Okay, he, he really does. You know, Paul, this isn't a new thing, Paul lists 27 people in his greetings in Romans 16. You can read it later. 27 people. Latin names, Jewish names, Greek people, 10 of them are women. Okay, this gospel is for everybody, to everybody. Christianity is the most diverse religion in the world by far. It's not even close. And that's because our God wants it that way. It's not because, it's, it's him. It, it, that's the way he wants it. We reach every kind of person as a church, not because we're at, you know, looking to some worldly agenda, but it's because we're aligning with the heart of God. It's who he is, so that's who we are. It comes from him. A direct result of us having the Spirit's power is us reaching those people in Samaria. I read of uh, a missionary who was working to translate the Bible into Kurdish. Uh, you know, uh, Kurdish people are an ethnic group in Iran, about 30, 45 million of them. And this was years ago. So an unbelieving Kurdish man was helping this missionary translate Acts, right? So, as, so he's got to read the Bible as he helps to translate. And then the man was just really struck. The, the, the Kurdish man was blown away that the nations were all there here in Acts 2, that the nations were there. And so as they're working on translating, the Kurdish man dropped his pencil, mouth agape, after reading that the Medes were present in Acts 2.9. Okay, he, and he goes, do, do you mean that my people were there? The Kurds traced their history back to the Medes, so this man began to reconsider his idea of Christianity altogether, because for him, Acts 2 was proof that the gospel is for the whole world. As a church... We're active in being witnesses to the ends of the earth. You know, through your giving and prayers, you've already sent missionaries to countries that I can't even name because this is being recorded. Okay, we're going to do a lot of that over the next few decades as we sacrifice and go together. And God may be calling you to go. You know, um, you know the church is not a refuge, you know, the church is, rather, the church is a refuge for the world, not from it. So we go to and we bless and we help. You know, and parents... I was thinking about you as I was writing that part. You know, and so as we talk about going to the ends of the earth and, and being on mission, God may stir your child's heart for the nations. We're going to talk about it in the kids' ministry and the student ministry as well. So I want to encourage you parents to open your hearts and pray that God would have whatever he would have with your child, to open your heart for God's call on your kids' lives as they grow into adulthood. I know how hard that is. So, as we move forward into Acts 2, okay, after, okay, so, so Jesus ascended 40 days after the resurrection. He walks around, preaches about the kingdom of God. He physically leaves this earth, but this little group of disciples believed that the power was en route. They trusted Jesus. He said, the Spirit's coming, the power's coming, and they trusted him. And now they're waiting, okay? So, now, at this point, the tomb is empty and the throne is occupied, Okay? So we're seeing, you know, there in the beginning of Acts 2 that the Spirit came, and it says they were filled with His glory, okay? There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house 
where they were. You can read later in Acts chapter 2, the beginning. The disciples begin to speak in tongues. Baptists don't get nervous, okay? Everything's going to be okay, okay? And all of a sudden, disciples who couldn't speak a certain language were speaking that language. And the people who that was their native tongue, they understood what was being said. I will just mention the technical point that although the Greek word in Acts 2-4 is a bit ambiguous, the Greek word in, in verses 6 and 8 of that chapter are not, okay, not ambiguous. It can only refer to a known language or, di- or dialect. So we can talk more about that later if you want. Or we can never talk about tongues again. That's fine with me. Okay, but uh, this was not some kind of babbling or some prayer language. It was the disciples speaking God's truth in languages, known languages that they did not previously speak. Okay, so each person could understand what was being said in his or her language. So imagine, so like in our church we have people whose native language is Filipino, you know, uh, Portuguese, Spanish. Como mi gente, okay. All right, so we got, we got French, all kind of different things in the church. We're so blessed in that way. And we were going to sing a song in Spanish today. Things happen, okay. Um, but we're going to sing it next week, maybe, a couple weeks. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I said that up here. But anyway, we're going to sing a song in Spanish again soon. But like imagine right now, like in Acts 2, Jensen starts sharing the gospel in Arabic. And, and you know, like Hannah is speaking Mandarin and George is preaching in Telugu over here. Okay, that's the scene. Okay, you can, everybody in their own tongue, that's, the, that's how the Spirit showed up in a really dramatic way. The Spirit can be really dramatic sometimes. Okay, so Acts 2, 6, so just imagine that. Acts 2 says that the crowds were bewildered at this miracle. I bet so, right? Uh, people were amazed and astonished, 2, 7 says. They were amazed and perplexed, Acts 2, 12 says. It was such a scene that, of course, the haters had to show up, and in verse 13 they say, man, these people are drunk. Okay, well, haters are always going to show up. Then Peter steps up with this amazing sermon. I want you to read it later. He's quoting the prophet Joel from the Old Testament. He's sharing the gospel. He's contextualizing the gospel with eloquent precision. It's amazing. And then look at what he says in Acts 2.32. He says, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. We saw that he died. I saw with my eyes that he was dead, and I saw that he rose to life. We're witnesses to that. Verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, Jesus has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Look at verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain, for certain, that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What do we do in response to this? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You notice he, he doesn't say there. Now, if you come from the right family... If you have enough money in the bank, if if you haven't sinned too much, you'll get the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says this to everybody in attendance. And then verse 39, for the promise is for you. Put your name on that. And your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. I believe some of you need to obey Jesus' call in your life and repent and be baptized today. Um, You know, repent simply means to turn from. Maybe you're headed down the world's way of power. Maybe you're caught up in the brambles of sin. If you've never placed your life in Jesus' hands, today is the day to repent, okay? To turn from your way and to give your life to Jesus. And we'll baptize you next week, okay? Repent and believe and be baptized. 
So as we look ahead through the rest of Acts, okay, the story of Acts can be summarized in this single phrase, the triumph of the gospel. That's it. It it is a triumphant story of how the early Christian community, the first Christian community and the power of the Spirit saturated their world with the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. It was not an easy path, okay? So obstacles from within, old assumptions were challenged, opinions had to be reformed, prejudices overcome, obstacles from without, we'll see imprisonments, beatings, martyrdoms, storms at sea, angry mobs on land, all this kind of stuff. But the faithful witnesses continue their testimony. Okay, the, the word of God grew bearing more fruit and more fruit and more fruit among every kind of person. The spirit of God was behind it all and the gospel triumphed. 